Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Demika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And if a beast gave me a whole library, I might have broken him off a piece. That's probably the best part. A whole library. I, I would love my own library. Like, a whole library. Like, with the ladder... Yeah, lighting the ladder. The ladder. Mm-hmm. If I need a ladder to get to more books, it 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 slaps. I definitely do not have books arranged in such a way in my house. I'm more <laughs> like piles of books in every room kind of person. I think that's something really romantic about that, though. I because I guarantee you, I guarantee you know where every book that you need is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So makes sense to you. Yeah, but no, my grandparents used to have a a library, not like a library like that, but Mm -hmm. it was like a room that was, I think, supposed to be the dining room, but Hmm. they just had bookshelves on all the walls. And so it was just like filled with books. And so when I was a kid, I used to love to play library. I'd make my older cousins play library with me because I'm I'm in this like pocket, right, of cousins where I don't have any cousins my age, like Mm. five years in either direction. And so I would be like, let's play library. And they wanted to do like their cool, like preteen stuff. Um, So they'd be (laughs) like, sure, Danielle. And then, like, I'd be like, I'll make us all library cards. And so I'd just, like, sit there and, like, draw out library cards while they were doing something completely different. (laughs) I wanted, in my mind, you were a lot more ruthless of, like, and your books are late. And your books are late. We will not stand. This is a public service right here. In my mind, I wanted you to be a lot more militant than what you really were. No, I was definitely not not a militant child. But it's exciting. I love that. I love. Thank you for sharing that memory, because if you've listened for the show for any length of time, you know, we're a great appreciator for for books and we understand how important it is. And just so happens to coincide that this is National Book Week. (laughs) Air sounds. It's great. It's really, really great. My air horn just sounds more and more like blue from Blue's Clues every time (laughs) I do it. That that's a reference and a half. That is definitely <laughs> I I don't like how more like older and older our references. I was looking up stuff for yeah. a mini sode and all my examples were just so <laughs> old. I just- <laughs> they were like 1950 and you're like, Tamika, you weren't even alive then. I know. I'm dead se- I'm dead serious. I had to like at least update it to like the 80s and 90s. Are we even talking about like black couples and cinema? I'm like, Tamika, you didn't mention blackish. You didn't mention this. And I'm like, oh, it's like the world stopped from 1996. Like nothing else apparently happened in my mind. So- yeah. <laughs> But yes, this week is National Book Week. So we decided that we would diverge a little bit from format and talk about some books rather than doing our normal book talk, which is more of a book review where we Mm -hmm. read the same book. We thought we would both bring some different things to the table to recommend for our unicorn listeners. And everyone else this week. Yeah. And honestly, I just really want to know what Danny is reading. And I think we just want to just to share and you all are feel free to listen in. But <laughs> we, yeah. And, and I hope after this, we we just really encourage you that even 
in a place where people might not feel like they have the time. I have been so challenged by the show and by Danny and for others to find time to get literature just in your body. It's like a vegetable. Just get it in, no matter how you do, because it is just so enriching and just gives support to the great service that is the library. So, yes. Yes. It's no secret that I read most of my books actually from the library. I have a lot of books, but I love the library. So, I, in true Danny fashion for a Danny episode, something I give Damika a hard time about, I didn't just pick one book, even though I was supposed to only pick one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I, I wanted to give a couple of options. So, Both are books that I actually did check out from libraries. So the first book that I want to share is a book that came out last year. I tried to keep pretty recent with these books. And this is a nonfiction book. It's a memoir. It's by Rebecca Carroll, and it's called Surviving the White Gaze. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know much about Rebecca Carroll going in. I had listened to her podcast, uh, Come Through, with Rebecca Carroll, I think is what it's called, a couple years ago. But otherwise, she was unfamiliar to me. And I, I picked up this book mostly because of the title. And it was really, really interesting. There's been some critique of it because people are like, it reads more like literary nonfiction because how does she remember what her high school boyfriend smelled like? Just like, of course she remembers how her ice cream boyfriend smelled. I don't understand how that's even a question. <laughs> I can't. And of all things to pick apart like a smell, like yeah. that, is that where we're going to draw the line? There's no way your reference of smell is that detailed. <laughs> yeah. It's her story. And she she has a really interesting and challenging background. She mm. Her birth parents were teenagers. A black father and a white mother, and she was adopted by a white couple who were friends of these kids. And so she was brought up in a white family in New Hampshire. And it's kind of her grappling with like growing up in a white family. What does that mean for her and her blackness? And then like building relationships with her birth parents later on in her life and like figuring out her identity and her place in the world. And then she also has this real toxic relationship with her white birth mother that's very challenging and really impacts the way that she sees the world. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a page turner. That's for Mm. sure. And it's, it's great insights. Definitely recommend it. Easy read in the the sense that like you can read it pretty quickly. Mm. Surviving the white gaze, Rebecca Carroll. (laughs) Well, and this is something that I like to ask people whenever they read a book. What did you learn about yourself through this book? Good question. Whenever there's a challenging relationship between a mother and a daughter, I see myself in it. Yeah, I think it, for me, just once again, like nailed home this idea of, or challenged me to think about this idea of how much of our identity is dependent upon our youth and Mm. our upbringing and um, what we're exposed to when we're young and how does that play against 
how we present to the world and how people treat us, which is something we talk a lot about on the show. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily like something new that I learned about myself or about anyone else, but I think it was just a good point for some self-reflection on that idea. Mm. We talk a lot about how fiction can be very healthy in doing the work because you're Mm -hmm. able to, in these fictional places, work through themes that might be a little bit difficult or you have a lot of questions or seeing to play out. But what about about nonfiction? What do you think as far as that goes when we're talking about race? And in this story, this is a woman's actual story. What place does that play in doing the work and talking about race and developing these ideas and being approached with these stories? Yeah, I think a memoir is almost like its own category of nonfiction because I feel like it it exists in that gray area between fiction and nonfiction, not in terms of like the content, but just I think in terms of how things are presented, right? Like mm. a memoir, memoirs tend to read a little bit more like fiction than like other nonfiction, in my opinion. So I think... A lot of what is true for fiction still applies to a memoir. Like you put yourself in someone else's shoes or like looking at the world through a different lens and forced to kind of examine things differently. But I think for many people, like I'm I'm perhaps just as sensitive to fiction as as a memoir. But I mm-hmm. think for some people, just the fact knowing that it, it is a true story, that it is someone's lived experience makes it more real for them mm. as they're looking through that lens. But I think the inverse is also true. Like I mentioned, there were people who were saying, oh, it reads like, you know, narrative. It's not, doesn't seem realistic. And that's, I think, people who kind of dig in and refuse to accept that there are experiences that are different than their own. So I think (laughs) for those people, memoirs, they could read all the memoirs in the world and it's not going to change their perspective, whereas fiction might give them something to latch onto to change their perspective. I think for anyone who is a little bit more sensitive to the lived experience of others, to, to the sonder of life, if you will, will really appreciate a memoir, perhaps even more than fiction oh this is great so you said it's a page turner so it moves pretty quickly Mm -hmm. okay that's great that's great if you had one critique for yourself i know you said what other people what is if you had one like uh are you just like no it like tens across the board Mm. i mean it's definitely not a 10 (laughs) for me and i think like my good read score of it was a four star Mm. i did find that the writing style was like this makes me sound like such a snob but like the (laughs) writing style was just so straightforward and basic that Mm -hmm. like it it wasn't as like rich and detailed I mean it was detailed but I think it just wasn't like rich in a literary sense where I felt mm. like caught up in this world building and like beautiful poetic language. And that's kind of like my own personal preference in reading. So I think I, I lose some some for that. I thought, as with so many stories, the ending was like so rushed and so like, and then I became I... a writer and then I got married and then I had a kid. And I knew I wanted to do that all before I was 40. So I did. 
<laughs> just like, what okay, is that? what is that? Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. What is that? Because we have read a, quite a few books together now where we have both said something similar of like, and then it ends. What? <laughs> Yeah. I don't need any more hanging chads in my life. Like, what the heck, dude? So, yeah, I yeah. feel you on that. But I would still recommend it, though. I think there's a lot, lot to be gleaned from it, even if the ending leaves <laughs> leaves something to be desired. Just wanting and longing. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted um like a secondary share, just because I yes. feel like this was not completely on brand. For mm-hmm. like the kind of book I would usually bring to the table in this situation. Because I love, I think I had to include a, a YA book because I think that is the Danny brand, at least on biracial unicorns. So the young adult fiction book that I would like to bring to the table for this week is called This Time Will Be Different. And mm-hmm. it is by Misa Sugiura. And it is also fairly recent, published in 2019. And it is not, it's also a four star for me, not a five star. Okay. But it is the story of a young girl, teenage girl. Her name is CJ, CJ Katsuyama. And she is, she has a single mom. She doesn't know her father. She is clearly mixed race half Japanese, half something else. She doesn't know, really. And her family has a flower shop that has been in the family for years and years. And her aunt, who lives with her, kind of has taken on the flower shop as like a project. But it's like this whole thing where, you know, they're under kind of rough financial times and they're going to sell the flower shop, but they're going to sell it to this family that like screwed over her grandfather and like took the flower shop while they were like in Japanese internment camps and so it's like but what i really love about it is the characters are messy cj Mm. is is a messy person she's not a mary sue she's not perfect she shoots off at the mouth a lot and she you know is figuring things out as a teenager should Mm. I love that. I love the way that they fold in like history of racism and challenging racism and social justice issues and the way they just fold it in and bring into the story like real facts, right, surrounding this. Like they talk about Japanese internment and what that looked like and and Mm. what that caused and what the intergenerational impacts of that are. They talk about, you know, like racism and how you're treated and and being mixed race and how that challenges belonging. And the way they fold it in is a very like organic way, but also mm. like actual true things that you can learn about the world directly in this fiction novel. So also like surviving the white gaze, like the writing style was not like sufficiently magical realism, flowy language for me, but... Mm. I think the fact that it was able to bring such real issues to the table in a natural, organic way makes it a read and makes it a book that I think stayed with me for a long time after I read it. It's been like two years since I've read this book and I still think about it sometimes. Mm, We got some reads, y'all. I'm here for it. I love that. I love that. I think understanding a flow of of a book is really important and knowing what you like and what you don't like. And I love you being able to appreciate 
the, the content and what it brings without being like, not necessarily my flow, maybe not all my jam, but being able to pick and like glean from what you really found to be impactful to bring that. So yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it's good. That's a lot of issues are raised in that book. I'm sure there are a lot of parents who would not like that book. <laughs> but but what, whatever do you mean? <laughs> so when you say I've actually what when you say YA, what age group are you? Do you think is a sweet spot for YA? I mean, I think YA is just adolescence, early adolescence in my mind. Uh, this book, this book is probably on the like younger end of YA, I think. Mm. I would say that because I feel like a lot of YA deals with like relationships and sex and those things that make people like feel less inclined that they're okay for a younger audience. This book does not. Mm. So, I mean, there is a relationship in it, but it's, it's very sweet and very mm. like... And it's not like the major plot point. So I also oh. feel like that that's that's fine. That's like a side story. I'm here for it. <laughs> we have talked about sometimes in these stories, especially with a biracial female character, that there always seems to be like this white boy relationship kind of trope that we kind of see evolve. And it kind of seems to take over real quickly, then fizzle out and doesn't really seem to add to the, the plot of what's going on. So, you know, here's... Here's hoping for the change of that. Yeah, I can't. And now I can't remember because it's been a couple of years since I read it. And like I said, it's a side story. But I'm fairly certain he he's Asian American. Yes, um, I'm here for it. Yeah, he might not be. He might be a white boy. I don't remember <laughs> because it wasn't central to the story. Ah. Love it. I'm here. Oh, all right. Those are two great books. Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll let you slide. You did a very, it's payback for all the times <laughs> where I have been indecisive. So on the receiving end of that, you did that very, you did that way better than I could. So. <laughs> Whatever. It's not a competition to me. <laughs> well, I, because I, I hate myself, I really wanted to read something new because I had a list that I have been just like, chomping at the bit and I actually normally we like to keep show and tells kind of surprise but I had to know if Danny had read this and I, I wanted just like her opinion anyway she hadn't I was like ah this is this is a risk but I I didn't I didn't look into it at all though after all you right. sent that to me I didn't look it up <laughs> I I plugged it into Goodreads to make sure I hadn't read it and that was it because you're going to want to read it. All right. <laughs> so we today, I'm going to present to you uh, Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. What I love, this is, uh, so first of all, I'm always late to the party, but it's always worth it. This book came out in 2014. But she's like really in the public zeitgeist right now because yeah. her latest book came out fairly recently. And I feel like everyone and their mom is reading that book. So yeah. I was excited to hear about this older book that I had not heard of of hers. And it's crazy, too, because I, when looking for this, the, the recent book that, that was coming out, it's like what little fires everywhere, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because my library, the one that's closest to me, had not necessarily had that available yet. And, the you know ages ago. So I had this one on my list. It's like, oh, I'll go ahead and read one of her first ones because my daughter was born in 2014. So the world stopped. And so I'm no longer relevant past 2014. So I'm catching up on all things. So I was so excited. My library had this. Yay, ebooks. You know, and I dived into this. So this was actually her first novel. 
I could not even imagine. This is so like you talk about that beautiful language, at least in my opinion. I think she writes to where it's a, a, a beautiful flow, but it doesn't take over the dialogue. And I think that you have to have a very delicate hand with that because I've definitely read some books where it reads very poetic, but it it takes away from the story. It's mm-hmm. it's world building so much to where it becomes fluff and not and not essential to the building of the world. So I believe the way that Ink has done it here is oh my goodness. It, it's it's effortless. It's believable. I am there. This book follows a mixed family. The mother is white, blonde hair, blue eyes, and her husband is Chinese American. His family immigrated there from Hong Kong. So but what's interesting is that it it's very much a family story. It follows Marilyn and James, the married couple, and their three children, Nath, Lydia, and Hannah. And and this is not a spoiler, I promise, but the, the very beginning of the story is their middle child, Lydia, the favorite child, is dead. If you're not in the place to hear about that, or d- don't. And <laughs> don't read this book just yet. But it was... She goes missing and then they she actually founds to be at the bottom of the lake that's within their their neighborhood. And it goes through talking about them trying to figure out what's happened to Lydia. So this is a page turn. And this is very not only are you really concerned with this idea of what's happened to Lydia, but how the family is coping and dealing with this. This takes place in Ohio. It's in the 1970s. And kind Mm. of like Caucasia, it is such a rich time to write a story with a mixed Asian family because we have things going on, you know, like, like the space race, like the Vietnam War, you know, like loving versus loving versus Virginia. And we have all of these huge milestones happening within the lifetime of these characters because they're the writer is consistently going in from the present of dealing with the death of Lydia to when James and, and Marilyn met. So she flip-flops between these two timelines and how they kind of intertwine. Girl, it is chef kiss the way that she overlays these timelines and how they've impacted the relationships with each other today so good you want to talk about a complicated mother-daughter relationship danny if that is your spot if that's your zhuzh mm, layered absolutely layered yeah it sounds great it does the way that you were describing it does remind me of caucasia a mm-hmm. bit it sounds it sounds of a similar vein like i said i i hadn't heard anything <laughs> about about the book it does now sound like something that i'd like to check out yeah and you're reading it right now right i am 3 chapters away from being done oh i my am gosh, so, you're so close i'm so i wanted to be done done but there was just no way with everything going on this week i can't believe i got as much done as i did but that just shows you just how it's it's to me, it's a very easy read because you're very captivated. Always, like I said, you're switching between characters of how, who's driving the narrative. Like I said, Nath is, he's about to go to college. And so you have his angst and his relationship with his father because he looks very Asian and his sister is mm-hmm. noted of having this inky black hair, but blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have their younger sister, Hannah, who is, I think is, I would say middle school age, I believe. So we have like a sophomore, senior, and probably someone who's a little bit more younger and just how all three of their relationships is different from both of their parents and how expectation versus wanting attention versus not getting any attention literally within the three children it completely varies and for different reasons and you're right 
how parents' trauma and expectations heavily imprint on how they treat their children. And you see it in one of the most gut-wrenching ways. And you're right, it's very, it gives very much Caucasia, which if you haven't read that book, we have a whole episode dedicated to it. We'll make sure to put that in our notes, where you, you don't get a break in this book. It is (laughs) heart-wrenching. It is, it, it tugs at you, it weighs at you because you can relate. Even if you've never lived their particular experience, there is this ache of family dynamics. I think what the author writes so well about, and this is, you want to talk about what I've taken away, is loneliness. Mm. We have talked on the show about how we have both experienced being the only person, the only woman, only woman of color in a lot of our circles and how, yeah, you're like, I'm by myself or even my family being the only mixed family in the block or when we go places, people stare. And now I'm in my own interracial relationship that people ring up our groceries separately or even making friends is is very challenging because they don't understand the dynamic. And I don't think a word I use nearly enough to validate my own experience is lonely. Oh man, I just I just sat with how well she wrote the complexity and the deepness and the weight of loneliness of not only being in an interracial relationship but being a mixed race person. Mm. Ooh. Of just like we talked about that struggle to belong deeply like seated and wanted to be seen and accepted and Oh, she so beautifully. I cannot stress how it's not it's never on the on the nose, but it's that that achingness in the pit of your stomach that just can't be relieved. And I think so many people in lockdown have probably experienced loneliness for the first time, really, Mm. and that ache to have to be seen and have that closeness with people and how even within a family unit, you can still feel very alone. And oh, It broke my heart. I wasn't ready. I should have done it on a break. (laughs) It was so good. I couldn't stop. It was so good. Yeah, there's something about the title that even evokes that that feeling, everything I never told you, right? And in the walls that we we put up and the ways we craft our own loneliness, you know. Mm-hmm. With that idea, I'm curious. I love the relationship between title and and book. So, everything I never told you, who do you think the I and the you refer to in the Ooh. title? Ooh, I, mm. it's strange because I think if you read it surfacely, you would think it's the mother to the daughter. Mm. You, you, you very much think it's going to be the mother to the daughter. But the thing is the daughter, Lydia, who's passed the, the first, uh, the middle daughter, she gets it. She very much that um, Marilyn, like I said, not to give too much away, she had hopes and aspirations to be a doctor. And she's incredibly brilliant. You have to remember this time period as well, you know, the 60s going into the 70s of women not being able to view to be a doctor and her dealing with her own disappointments in that and then kind of pushing that, but not pushing it, but also low-key pushing it onto her daughter, Lydia. And so you think about it's very much them, but as I continue to read the book, I think it's very much Lydia to her parents. I mm. through it, the more I read, the more I'm like, I think it's so little about the parents and not what they reveal to their children. But I think it's so much about Lydia to her folks and what she carried within her. 
So they've kind of, you know, set it to where, you know, Marilyn with James a little bit because there there are some there's some real issues going on within their relationship and dynamic. You know, she leaves for a little while and you, you kind of get the hump. She never told him that. And it's very much like, yeah, these are things that you didn't know about me. But I think the more I go to it, it's very much Lydia. It's very much her in the absence of her that really drives the story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the book now, but it like reminds me of another book that I've read. There is something about like the absence of a person that can be almost more of an impact than their presence. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we flesh back to her beforehand, because like I said, we flesh back in the timeline quite often. But in the presence of just realizing the ache of her missing just drives so much and the the understanding and even in a very awkward family dynamic of realizing how much love is there. Even if it's like, I don't think you ever actually really knew somebody. How can you love somebody mm-hmm. you've never really knew? And that's what's so interesting about family. It is, you know, you can have such complicated feelings. You can be so disconnected and have such a fierce, reckless, dangerous love for somebody in your family. And it's the author shows this so well. She unfolds it very well. I particularly love the character of Hannah, who is very much like a ghost in this story. And if there's no one is no one here is perfect. You know, you talk about messy characters. It's a lot of messiness. But I believe Hannah, the youngest one, she plays almost like a ghost. She it's almost like another omnipotent character because she is so observant and has mm-hmm. had to watch everything kind of unfold. And oh, I I love that and her loneliness and everyone's got such deep layers of where they're coming from and and the ache that they have and how you feel for them and then. I, I, I'm sure you've read books where you just like, if you guys would just say it, just say it to one yeah, another. I think all the books that we've read <laughs> together for the show have been that way. A Sharks in the Time of Saviors. Oh, oh I'm gosh. Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. Oh. Both of those were just, even Caucasia, they were all just like, just say it. <laughs> and I think perhaps that's a huge lesson that we have to learn again and again mm-hmm. is communication is so important. And so many things can be like solved with good communication, but we are human and we are messy and being vulnerable is hard and speaking truth is hard. So, yeah. It is. It totally is. And playing into the interracial relationship what happens when you try to treat a relationship with color blindness? It's mm-hmm. not overt. It's not what they were saying, but it's also what what they were saying. And I love that because I think once again in this time, we want to think that that is not saying race is going to solve a lot of things. And this, I think this book really points out in a way that's not on the nose that that is not the answer. And like I said, as someone who is not going to sit there and try to pretend that I can relate to everything in the Chinese and Chinese American experience. I appreciate this author and I appreciate this story as I continue to try to educate myself a little bit more about their experience. But I can be like, yeah, I know what it's like being the only one. And gosh, that is so challenging. Or when you go out as a family, people trying to, the look of people trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they said that in the beginning of the story and I was just like oh my heart just fell and even seeing how you know the difference between James and his wife handle authority as they're trying to look for the daughter how they approach that so the author I think she mentions race in a way that is like yep this is every day 
This is not like, you know, I'm not racist. It's not. It's very like this is how it plays out in the day to day. It talks about the microaggressions. It talks about this is just like getting the newspaper. This is part of the fabric of their life and their family. And I think that makes it a little bit more tangible and mm. real when I have people have examples of like, no, this is what it's just what, what it's just like of seeing a school photo and you being obviously pointed out to be very different. And uh, mm, I cannot. I recommend this. I definitely do. If like I said, if you're looking for a, a pick me up, she isn't it. And that's OK. But I think this is definitely something you should um, go check out at your local library. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I can never have a book week discussion without bringing in Octavia Butler, my favorite mm-hmm. author. So I just wanted a, a quick shout out what I am currently reading. I am going through her Patternist uh, series, which is a series of four books. And it's to get very like Star Wars over here. So they were released in a certain order, but like chronologically, they're in a different order. So I recommend Ooh. reading them in the chronological order of the stories so starting with the book wild seed yeah so Mm. i think that i like her xenogenesis series better because it's weirder Mm. but maybe if like that is too weird for you start with the pattern of series i love it but it's also like all these books with except maybe this time will be different it is not it is not a happy pick me up sort of story apparently we just don't we just don't want to be happy in our in our readings whatsoever we're just not we're not into it mm mm you know, we talked about this in our blurred episode too of like, wh- why do you even go to read? And maybe that's the question. Maybe that's something I should ask to myself. For some people, it's escapism. Some people, it's for education. For other people, it's to help do the work. And, you know, maybe it's just what you're looking for. Some people like that, you know, they they like the tug and the pull and, and the hard. And that, I guess, yeah. that, is, that is very true. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always think about, the importance of being earnest and Cecily's line. <laughs> I don't like stories that end happily. They depress me so much. <laughs> I think that is like, that is me. And yes. uh, when I was in that play in high yes. school, I was told by the director I was cast in that role because of that line. Because that line like was so true to me. <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah. Oh, you and Ian were both in that show, right? Because mm-hmm. Nikki, my sister was in that show. Your as well. sister was in it. Yeah. I know. See, guys, we are, we're not lying when we say we go back. So. It's true. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, um, any other last, last book week related shout outs, Damika? Oh my goodness, there are. You know what I should do? I've been wanting to like hop on Instagram. I think I remember that because I do have it. I should have had it on here, but I'm not on my A game a list of I always like to add kids' books as well mm. on here for parents to come and read alongside their their children. So I have a book. It's not about the mixed race experience, but it's a book that will be just out when this episode drops. So this book is a first book by a dear friend of mine, Zara Marwan, and it is called Where Butterflies Fill the Sky. And it is, um, she wrote it and illustrated it, and it's based off of her own life experience. And it's her story of being, as she refers to herself, a person from two desert 
deserts. Um, she was born in Kuwait and she moved to New Mexico when she was a child. So it's about, it's an immigration story. It's beautiful. Her artwork is beautiful and whimsical watercolors. Definitely. I've seen the pre-release like mock-up oh. of the book like three years ago when it was supposed to come out two years ago, but it was like delayed because of COVID and everything. And I'm I'm eagerly awaiting my my pre-ordered book in the mail right now. Oh so. my goodness. Should we are we gonna add that to the notes so people can go snatch that book? That sounds gorgeous. I'm so excited. You know what, Danny, like with YA, I really enjoy the amount of books that are coming out that are talking about inclusion. They're talking about mixed families. They're talking about non-binary. They're talking about these big issues in a way that's very beautiful and palatable. And you know what's crazy? I find them palatable for parents to talk about it because kids are way more resilient, way more receptive. And I find that kids' books are so, I say 60-40, 60 for the parents or for the guardians and 40 for the kids as a way to help process and be able to talk about these this, like these essential but maybe challenging topics for the yeah. parent. <laughs> for the guardian and i think it takes a lot to do that investment and I, I i think that's another reason why library week is so important um some of my fondest memories is taking my daughter to the library uh getting involved in the community we met some of the very first people when we especially if you move a lot it's such a beautiful centered place mm -hmm. to go to and i believe it was foundational my daughter enjoying reading it was a great place to meet up with friends uh because it is free and it's not about money and people can come and and, and relax and enjoy and partake in access to computers and resources, uh, I, I cannot speak highly enough uh, for us to continue to support and put that on the forefront of the great services that is the library system. Shout out to my friends who are librarians. You all are my part, you know, you're my heroes. I think you're very underappreciated, undervalued. And, and I truly believe, I hope as we continue to realize how essential reading is that we can give that support to people becoming librarians. I don't think it's a job that people are like are you going to be a librarian like then we, we should dig on it we need yeah, these the reality people. is that librarians are increasingly becoming kind of like frontline sort of workers particularly yeah. with this neoliberalistic fucking capitalist state we live in and services not being available to a lot of people the library is like a great public space where people can turn and get help and support and access to resources so librarians take on a lot that is not officially part of their job so no no they're they're becoming mm -hmm. almost like social workers it, it's crazy what they are demanded of because of the sheer access of where they are and where they are essential uh geographically mm -hmm. within the city as well so ah, oh i'm so excited we have plans to go to the library next week because actually we have some things due so i'm nice. pretty stoked nice <laughs> i dream of a day where i can go to a library again when i'm not so busy with school and work um someday <laughs> It'll be it'll be a glorious day. It'll be a date. We do. You know, we legitimately go to libraries on dates, but <laughs> I know it's super cute. We, we love to read in this uh. house. <laughs> well, I mean, since we're already in a decent mood, which is a really nice change, should we continue yes. to be happy?
National Book Week aside, Damika, what is making you happy? Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with food to no one's surprise. Uh, I uh, cheese scones. Uh, cheese scones are making me very happy. I've made them a few times the past week. I, ma- I made them a lot more during lockdown because you couldn't go out and get them. And when we moved, it, I didn't make them a lot because you need a specific, you need like an English cheddar, which is different than American cheddar. And it's just a different. And Costco actually had like an English cheddar. And I'm like, this is not for snacking. This is not for anything else. This is scone cheese. This is specifically for scones. And so I was very, very excited and I made them and they taste a lot like the ones I would have in England. And I don't know, just that with a really nice cup of tea and trying to get through work or whatever. It was just so, it was just so nice. And yeah, it's it's the little things, isn't it? Like having the right cheese for a scone. I've been buying... Mm -hmm. English cheddar from Costco for years. Is it the one with the uh, with the English flag on it? Yeah, I love that one. It's good. I I don't love it enough to know the brand. Uh, I just know know the package. Yeah, and that's all you need to know. I've never. I didn't even think to ever look for it because I've just kind of. I looked at other more specialty shops to look for the mature cheddar, and I just never thought of it. And I literally was looking for something else at Costco, and I happened to look at my saw. I'm like, wait, what? And there it Girl, was. Girl, I'm telling you, the Costco cheese aisle is where it's at. <laughs> no, I slipped on it because I got like a double pack of uh, goat cheese yep. the other day. And I was just like, this is this is all I'm eating for when this is beautiful. I was so, so stoked. No, don't skip out on the cheese. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's essential. I think I never felt like so first worldly. I think I got like a big old thing of LaCroix, some English cheddar and I'm t- I think like one other item and that was like it it was like the least I've ever bought in a Costco trip and I'm just like and I used gas for this trip all right let's just go because I'm happy nothing can ruin this <laughs> what about you boo what's making you happy um so when I am writing or reading I like to listen to music but i can't listen to anything with lyrics with words it's just impossible for me so i have like a variety of like playlists that i kind of circle through spooky piano retro wave like all these different playlists so i thought it would be fun for my happy place this week to be uh, an album that i've been listening to it is by a hip-hop producer based in germany Mikkel, and it is called Zelda and chill. And it's literally just lo-fi mixes of Zelda songs. I is so perfectly niche, but so perfectly you. That is, I absolutely love it. I love a lo-fi mix. I will absolutely eat it up every time. I'm an absolute sucker. That sounds amazing. It's great. It's, it's a good album. I listen to it all the time it's kind of become my recent go-to background music so i love it i think zelda i didn't play zelda but the music is so iconic that i'm so familiar with the music that is so Mm -hmm. good it's very Mm -hmm. did you play zelda are you a zelda fan um i take issue with being called a zelda fan okay um because (laughs) as we talked about in like (laughs) fandom episodes i would not consider myself a zelda fan okay have i played the zelda games yes do i enjoy them yes am i like decked out in like hyrule like 
clothes and books and merch. No. So I don't consider myself a fan. But she is not I, I enjoy coming the for her. She's like, no, do not quiz me. I am not here for that. All right. So yeah. Like and, and even with the music, like I remember the music, but like I'm not gonna be like able to tell you where in the game the music comes from. So a scandalo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess this is the fairy fountain music. <laughs> you better be careful. It sounds like Zelda to me. Um, <laughs> that sounds lovely. I'll have to give that a listen. So maybe uh, get some some scones and and listen to some lo-fi video game beats. Honestly, that sounds like the perfect, like all it needs, it needs to be raining and you need to have nothing to do. And that sounds like a little slice of little, little paradise. That sounds amazing. None yeah. of those things can collide at the same time in real life. But in my mind, that sounds amazing. Yeah. In my mind, when you were describing it, I just imagined YouTube lo-fi girl yes. like listening to it, but like on her desk in front of her, it's just a plate of scones. Yes, exactly. It's right next to the cat and there's just a yeah. big old plate of scones. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, oh, to be, oh, to live in lo-fi girl's world. That's all I want. Yeah. That's all I want. And, and that's just for the layers. Just beautiful layers. Just for the layers. Just for the layers. <laughs> <laughs> I want that smooth anime skin. Girl, do you do you want that that smooth anime routine though? We've already talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always here for the like the layering fashion. Like if I wore that many layers, I would sweat out. I'm a thick girl who runs hot. Like I would just absolutely sweat out. But I just love not the living look. anywhere cold enough to make. <laughs> How much colder do I have to get? Well, <laughs> you and uh, the penguins You'd be looking fresh with those penguins. I shoot, you can't even touch this. What is this vest sweater hoodie scarf combo layers? <laughs> All right, y'all. We want to hear what you're reading, what's making you happy, what you would like to hear more of on the podcast. You can reach us via email by racialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also find us on the social medias. We're on Instagram and Facebook at biracialunicorns, and we're on Twitter at biracialmagic. We want to thank you all so much for listening, but we also want to shout out some love to Deli Pop Art, who's done our amazing, iconic unicorn photo right there. It is eye-catching. Please go check out her Instagram stuff. She's got some amazing things for sale. Beautiful artists. We also want to thank Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. Also go to his Instagram, check out his music. And we also want to shout out to So Smith Photography, who's done some of our very iconic in-person photos there. Go show them some love. And while you're there, please, if you feel so inclined, give us a review that just helps us get this information out to other co-conspirators other unicorns out there to build our community so we can share ideas and give each other support speaking of support as well if you want to go and drop some coins you know if you want to pass the plate and buy us a coffee we would really appreciate that we don't get paid for this we literally anything that we get goes into housing and going right back into the podcast to create content for you all to listen to share debate so forth and so on so any help would be really much appreciated all right we it's us against the machine and we just need your help yeah all those things follow love yeah send us money we welcome it all yeah Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> your stories, your life, you know, we, we mean it. Yeah. We mean it. Call us, we email us, send us a message. All right, y'all. We will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm-hmm. Peace. Out.